Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. You are listening to the Qalam podcast Hurdle series, a study of Imam Ghazali's Minhajul Abidin by Sheikh Mikail Ahmed Smith. Jazakallah khair for your continued support, and we pray that this is beneficial. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salam. Ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyyana wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalin yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamur rahimin. Qala Allahu ta'ala ya'lamu khainatal a'yuni wa ma tukhfi sudur. Wa qala ta'ala wallahu ya'lamu ma fi qulubikum. Wa qala Nabiyu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إن الله لا ينظر إلى صوركم وجسادكم ولكن ينظر إلى قلوبكم وأعمالكم أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام. In our last session, uh, we're reading through Imam Ghazali's Minhajul Abidin, and Imam Ghazali wrote this book as a guide for a person on the pathway of worship, um, how to get back home to Jannah, how to get back to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala placed us in this dunya uh, with this goal of never forgetting him, staying connected to Allah. And he taught us, the Rasul that is, alayhi salam, that Jannah is surrounded by hardships. Jannah is surrounded by difficult things. And so the, uh, the, the, the role of the believer is to keep striving through those difficulties. As they come, we expect them. We know there will be difficulties, but we strive through them. So Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he has been putting these difficulties, he structured them as hurdles. You're going to have to get over this, get over that, get over this. And the last hurdle that we were talking about was taqwa. And taqwa is this slip consciousness, we call it. This mentality where I'm always conscious of how my next step could, could, could lead to me slipping and falling. And so the life of the muttaqi person is they're always conscious about their next move. But he said, if you want to get surgical with it, right? You want to get specific with it, precise. He said that there are four or five specific limbs or aspects of you that if you develop taqwa in these areas, if you be develop God consciousness in these areas, you're going to be good. You're going to be okay. And so he talked about the eyes. He talked about the ears. And last week we talked about the tongue and the tongue's relationship to us and us reaching our goal. And this week, mashallah, we are talking about the qalb, the heart. The heart, yes. Um, extremely, extremely important. And you're going to see why as we read what he says. Imam Ghazali says, The next thing you have to do is protect your heart. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. The heart serves two functions for us as believers. Never forget this. Two functions. One function is to see the truth as truth. To see the truth as truth. And now more than ever, we can see how some people's hearts are sick. And not only that, some hearts are dead. The first role of the heart is to see haq as haq. And that's why the Sahaba, they used to make this prayer. Allahumma arini haqqa haqqa wa zuqna tiba. Oh Allah, let me see truth as truth. Because some people see truth as falsehood. Wa arina al-baatila baatilan. And oh Allah, allow me to see falsehood as what it is, falsehood. So the first thing that happens to the heart when it gets sick is that it loses that ability of perception. And I'm not talking about anything except a deep spiritual perception. The recognition of haq, truth, and falsehood from the compass, the divine compass of the Prophet And so this is, this is how I understand it. You remember like when you were in like eighth grade and y'all did that little experiment with the compass and you got the little other uh, magnet and you brought it around and you discovered how you could like move the tip of the thing based on the presence of a, a magnet near it. We understand that, that a compass, it, it, it operates based on the magnetic pull of the poles, right? It's basic, I mean, eighth grade science stuff, right y'all? Right, we understand that. But here's the deal. Despite how powerful those magnetic poles are, the presence, the presence of another force pulling on that compass can throw the compass off. 
And I think a lot of y'all understand how that affects us. A lot, of that, a lot of us understood what that means right there. Some of us, when there's, those people aren't around, we see the truth as truth. We're good. But the moment that other magnet gets close to us, all of a sudden, we start, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what's good. So the first thing we have to understand is that the objective of the heart and the way the heart naturally is, and that's why the Sahaba the, 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 the blessing that they had. And that's why these gatherings are so special. Because when you come back to these gatherings, it's like a, it's like a reset. Even if you're just in the back, like again, for the vibes. You know what I mean? Even if you just came for the vibes, you sitting in such presence of, of righteous people that your heart, you walk out like, yeah, I'm good for till next Wednesday. I'm good, alhamdulillah. Did you know what he's talking about? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> And the reason why you feel you're good is because of the other hearts around you. It's the other hearts that are impacting yours. And that's why when you spend too much time in those other environments, you start to feel like a fish out of water. Dang, I got to get back to that masjid. I got to get back to that halakha. Where's heart work at? Where's whatever? Where's whatever? I need that. So what he's, what he's trying to explain to us now is the importance of the heart. And before I get into it, I want it to stop because I want y'all to understand the function of a heart in a time of fitna. The function of the heart is that it's able to see truth as truth and falsehood as falsehood. Now hear me out. Last week we spoke about Dajjal for a moment, which is this major fitna that comes right near the end of times. And the major, the, the, the biggest mujahid, the biggest fighter against Dajjal was just able to see haq as haq and falsehood as falsehood and call that out. So the first strength of your heart is the ability to see truth as truth. What's the next ability? What's the next uh, function of the heart? It has quwa, the ability to push you towards what you need to do. See, some people recognize the truth, but their heart isn't strong enough to push them towards it. Some people, their heart is strong, mad motivation, willpower like crazy, 4 a.m. dudes. But the heart doesn't see truth as truth. So it's striving towards something crazy. So these are the two functions of our hearts. And now more than ever, you need to be able to see truth as truth and then call it out. Calling it out takes strength. It takes courage. It takes your heart to be like, no, we're okay. And the best example I could give you of a sick heart, you've heard the example before, but I'm gonna give it again. You could take your most beloved food that you love the most. If you have a stomach virus and you walk in the house and your mother's cooking it, you feel like throwing up. It doesn't even smell good to you. That's what a, that's what a bad heart does when it walks into righteous places too. Like the, the vibes are nice, but you walk in, you're like, man, I'm ready to go already. Why? Because the food ain't good. Now the food is on point. You're just, you gotta, the heart's a little sick. So the problem isn't the food. Problem is the heart, but we're going to work on how to fix that. And that's why we're here, just in these gatherings. So Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah ta'ala, he's like, yo, you got to focus on your heart. You got to focus on their heart. If, 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 I, if I could count the percentage, if, if, if my teacher spoke to us 10 lectures, seven of them were about the heart. Seven of them were about the heart. And the reason is, let's read forward. He goes, alayka you got to protect your heart but not only protect it you got to work towards bettering it it's like it's like health one is like you're not harming your health but the other is like you're actually working out actually trying to get it stronger get it better and keep watching it you got to work hard on it out of the, the ears the eyes the mouth the tongue out of all the limbs, the most critical one is the heart. The most critical one is your heart. It has the biggest effect. It's the, it's the one that's most, you got to be careful with it the most. And he says, I want to tell you five aspects of the heart you got to be conscious of. He goes, the first thing I want you to be aware of is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what's in your heart. That's the first thing. First thing. And he mentions a hadith. 
And I want everyone to know this hadith. Inna Allaha la yanzuru ila qulubikum wa jasadikum. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Indeed, God does not look at your suwarikum, your form, and your body. Allah doesn't look at that, meaning it doesn't matter much. It's not what he's focusing on. وَلَكِنْ يَنْظُرُوا إِلَىٰ قُلُوبِكُمْ وَأَعْمَالِكُمْ Now, this is crazy. You might be thinking, yo, why didn't it just say, he just looks at your actions because actions isn't enough because intention has to be right you can have the most authentic actions philanthropist giving money out giving lectures talks all that but heart is messed up action is nothing so the two things Allah's looking at when you do anything is the action is it good is it for the sake of God and then follow that up with what He's watching the heart. Now look what Imam Ghazali says. The reason why I love Imam Ghazali is because he keeps it real. He says, The heart is the thing that God is looking at. That's what we all established, that's what we understood. He says, man, isn't it crazy? Not my words, his. Man, isn't it crazy? How many people concerned with their face? How many people concerned with the face? Inshallah. That's what the creation looks at. That's what the creation looks at. What's trippy about this to me is like what he's trying to get you to think is when you wake up in the morning and you start to get yourself ready to present yourself to the world, are you conscious of God's gaze at you as well? All of us prepare for our day based on what people are going to see because we know what everyone's going to look at, right? But what he's trying to say, Imam Ghazali goes, man, isn't it crazy how many people focus so much on their face which the creation looks at? They wash it. Skincare routines on fleek. My wife be hooking me up with the nice skincare joints. You know what I mean? The little mask you put on. You know what I mean? All right, there you go. Cleaning it, scrubbing, getting the blackheads out. You're getting the blackheads out of your face. What about the blackheads in the heart? All those evil thoughts inside. No, for real. I like that one, yo. You know why that's actually a deep saying? Because the Prophet ﷺ, he said, every time you do a sin, a black dot comes on the heart. And the moment we see something on the face, we're on it like, yo, how am I going to take care of this? But, but the Prophet told us a reality that every one of those sins is a black dot on the heart, on the heart, on the heart. It's crazy. He goes, uh, we beautify our face as much as possible. So that none of God's creation sees any flaws. That's the objective. But none of us is focusing on the heart. Now, I want to pause here because some of y'all, it becomes very abstract for you. You're like, what does it mean, Sheikh, to work on my heart? It's, it's about what your mind and your heart is focused on. It's about developing in yourself the qualities that a heart should have that is connected to Allah. Trust in Allah. Dependence on God. Submission to Allah. No jealousy. No hatred. These are the things I need you right now to look inside your heart. And I want you to truly be true to yourself and see how much dirt was unclean from today. How many thoughts cross the mind that you just let pass and who cares because no one sees my thoughts. So he says, you're worried about what everyone else sees, but he's like, I want you to think about what God sees. He's like, so why aren't you focusing on your heart, cleaning that, washing that, 
so that Allah doesn't see that thing that is inside there. But rather what we do, we push it off. Who cares about it? Who cares about it? He goes, If your heart was, if people were to see that the, the filth in your heart, they wouldn't let you be around them, they would push you away. The next thing he says, so the first thing he says is you have to understand that that is the primary thing. The way I put it is, don't let people's gaze upon you be more important than God's gaze upon you. Because here's the deal, whoever's gaze you're most conscious of, low-key, that's who you're going to turn to in difficulty. That's who you're focused on. That's who you're focused on. And when you're in those moments of difficulty and you truly turn to Allah, you become a person that could care less about what the people see, think, or care about you. As long as you're right with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Th that's where I'm trying to get at. Look, look, like, when, 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 when your beloved knows, when your beloved knows how beautiful they are in your sight, they don't care what everybody else thinks. Y'all yeah, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> because the objective is your love, what you care about. So once I know Allah's right with me, you know, like, number two. Number two. أَنَّ الْقَلْبَ مَلِكٌ مُطَاءٌ رَئِيسٌ مُتَّبَعٌ he says, the second thing you got to understand about the heart is that the heart is the king. The heart is the queen. Maliku, it's the king. It runs everything. Every limb is going to follow. If the heart is dirty, the backbiting will come naturally. And you're like, why am I backbiting so much? The tongue is like, you got to check my man down there. You got to check the heart. The heart is where the issue actually lies. So he says, when the one who are the leaders are correct, the followers will be correct. If the king is right, the people under will be right. And he says this very important hadith, everyone. He says that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, This is a very well-known hadith. It's a beautiful hadith. And it's all about focusing on your heart. Indeed, inside your body, there is this, 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 this quality, this flesh. When it is sound, everything will be good. Meaning, your speech, your actions, what you do, your motivations, everything will be tight and on point when the heart is on point. And I'm going to talk about how we're going to build that too. And when the heart is corrupt, everything else is corrupt. Indeed, indeed, it is the heart. It is the heart. It is the heart. So what does Ibn Qayyim al-Jawzi say? He says, listen, once we understand this, there are healthy hearts, there are sick hearts, there are dead hearts. There are healthy hearts, there are sick hearts, and there are dead hearts. Once you know this, Ibn Qayyim says, your heart needs things that will protect its health. The way you make your heart stronger is through the actions of righteousness and more obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says the awrad, your, your, your form of adhkar, the way you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's what strengthens the heart. So, so now you gotta, you gotta, you have to take your supplements, right? You have to have some dhikr in your life. You have to have some Quran in your life. You have to have a few lectures that you just have on play that are just feeding your heart with goodness. This is protecting the strength that you have. But then he says that's not enough. The next thing you have to do is But then you need to protect yourself from the negative influences. You can't be in the gym working out. You can't be working on yourself at the same time not having a healthy diet. It's going to negatively affect you. So he's saying you also have to protect yourself from those things which cause harm 
to your heart. And of course, these are the disobediences of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he says, uh, Everything that you can do to stay away from those things that are going to harm you. So istighfar, seeking forgiveness, tawbah, remembrance of Allah, gatherings like these, all of these are the things we're going to use to strengthen our heart and on top of that, avoid as much things that will cause harm to our heart. Next thing he says. He says the third aspect of your heart is that your heart is this treasure chest of every beautiful quality that can come from you. But every dangerous quality comes from it as well. So you have to protect this thing. You have to protect what you're allowing into this thing. Treat it valuable, special. Because the most valuable things that you could produce in life, they start from here. And the most wretched things that you can do also start from here. So look, what, what does he say? Everything begins with the heart. It is your heart that recognizes Allah. It is your heart that recognizes Allah. Then he says, it is your heart that comes with good niyas and intentions. And then it is your heart that motivates you to all of the actions that will get you good. Good things. And so I wanted to uh, share a hadith with you where the Prophet ﷺ spoke about different types of hearts. And in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, fitan ala al That the various tests and tribulations will be presented to the hearts bit by bit, slowly, slowly. He said, udan, udan, Like a straw mat that has these sticks one after the next. The Prophet said that the fitnas, the tribulations, the trials, they'll be presented to our hearts one after the next, one after the next. Whichever heart brings that in, takes it in, absorbs it. And this is why we've been preaching since day one, conscious consumers of what we allow in. Because, because this narration right here, whichever heart, ashrabaha, Whichever heart absorbs it, a black dot appears on that heart. Whatever heart denies those fitnas. Listen, in the time that we're in, just recognizing wrong and being uncomfortable with wrong is one of the greatest mujahidahs you could do. Seeing wrong things and be like, yo, that's wrong. Because as we get closer to Qiyamah, the good, subhanAllah, the Prophet wasallam, he said, when we get really close to Qiyamah, there'll come a time, Sahaba couldn't imagine what I'm about to say to you. There'll come a time when people will be committing zina, right? Zina, I'm not going to translate, there's shabab here, right? People will be committing zina openly. And the Abu Bakr of that time meaning the person with the highest iman, like Abu Bakr, he'll just be the one that says, can y'all at least take it inside? Meaning, meaning he's the Abu Bakr of that time. So what I'm trying to highlight is that sometimes we feel like we're not doing anything. And that's not the case. Because the, the war is a war of hearts. The war is a war of hearts. And as long as your heart stays set, and it's not about your actions. Forget your actions. Forget if you got it for Fajr today. Forget if you got it for Tajr today. It's not about that. It's about your heart recognizing good as good and your heart recognizing wrong as wrong. That's what shaitan's trying to win over. So what does he say? The Prophet ﷺ says, whatever heart sees a wrong and denies it. La, astaghfirullah. This is not what Allah wants from us. Nukitat. The heart starts to glow a little bit, shine. Until we'll reach a point where there are two types of hearts. Isn't it crazy? One heart is completely, completely covered in darkness. It doesn't accept any good, like it's turned over. It can't take any good. 
It can't recognize good, and it can't shun evil. And then the other heart, shining. No fitness will ever harm this heart. Why? Because it has constantly been pushing away and become strong, become strong. So Imam Ghazali, he says, the second, third thing I want you to realize is that this, this heart is a treasure chest. The good from you comes from it and the evil as well, so you must protect it. He says, after looking at the heart, I've realized that the heart is different from the other limbs in many ways. Here are a few of them. Number one, shaitan is constantly attacking the heart, not the other limbs. That's what he's aiming at. And he uses a hadith where the Prophet ﷺ, he said, shaitan is sitting over a person's heart. When the person remembers Allah, he backs off. But the person is heedless and not conscious of God, Shaitan starts putting his poison in. Then he says, the second aspect of the heart is that we use it the most. He says, This is where the battle of hap is happening. And this is why I said earlier, what we're witnessing and what we're going through is not a battle of actions, but a battle of hearts. That where will your heart be? So he says that, you know, this is a battle that is constantly going on within your heart. And this is why he says later on that one of the reasons why the heart is so difficult is that it fluctuates so much. They call it heart, the word qalb, because in Arabic, qalb means something that flips over. And the idea is that the heart is always changing. So your job as a believer is just to be on top of that heart. What is my heart after right now? So he says, the next aspect of it is that it's constantly moving. He says, your, your tongue, you can stop talking. He says, you close your lips, you close your teeth, you're not talking. Your eyes, you close them, you don't see. Ears, you put your fingers in them, you, you don't hear anything. He goes, the heart never stops. فَإِنَّ الْخَوَاتِرِ They keep coming. لَا تَزَالُ I came across this saying of a scholar named Zayd bin Aslam. Zayd bin Aslam, they say he was a man who used to go visit the scholars a lot. He was always trying to be around the ulama, around the people of knowledge. So one day he said to some of the scholars, Give me a, tell me an action I can do that I will be continuously working for the sake of God. Meaning I'm never stopping. I'm constantly doing something for the sake of Allah. I don't want any moment to pass from day and night except that I'm doing work for the sake of Allah. So he goes to the scholars, he's asking this person, and no one's giving him an answer. He can't get a straight answer. Because every action you're going to stop at some point. Prayer, dhikr, you're going to sleep. Whatever it may be, you're going to stop at some point. One of the scholars, One of the scholars said to him, I found out the answer to your question. You want an action that you can constantly do for the sake of Allah, so you're always doing good for the sake of Allah. He says, Listen closely. Do good deeds. As much as you can. فَإِذَا when you, when, you, when you get tired, when you get tired, فَتَرْتَ أَوْ تَرَكْتَهُ فَهَمْ بِعَمَلٍ Just think about good deeds. Hold up, y'all. What we don't realize is that one of the ways to cultivate a healthy heart is not that we're always engaged in good actions. That's great, but we get tired. We get burned out. He goes, no, when you stop the actions, why don't you focus on thinking of the good actions that you can do? Even if you're not doing them, and I know you're thinking, you're like, wait, but what's the point of thinking about it? Nah, you're planting seeds. You're planting good in the heart. How many bad habits started from just a thought? And how many righteous deeds started from just a thought? And that is why there's a hadith, Riyadh Salihin, hadith number 37. It's a very well-known hadith. The Prophet wasallam he said, when a person, hamma, hamma, 
when a person thinks about a good deed, thinks about a good deed, like Qiyamul Layl, and you don't understand how, how good this is. Look, say you never get for, up for Qiyamul Layl, Tahajjit. Say you like, yo, I've been hearing y'all talk about Tahajjit for a long time, but low key, yo, it's a struggle. Here's what you don't understand. The hadith say that if you go to sleep and you're like, Ya Allah, I truly desire to wake up for Qiyamul Layl. Now you, you thought about that. It was, it was in your heart deeply. The hadith says, Man hamma bi hasanatin, kutibat lahu hasanatun. One good deed is written for the person. Now you may be like, okay, one good deed is written. No, you don't understand. You're developing a healthy heart by constantly focusing on the good that you could do. In every moment, you're like, where's the khair here? Where's the good? What can I do righteous? So what we're, what we're being taught is something I learned from one of my teachers, which is niyatul mu'min aqwa min amalihi. The believer of, the niyyah of the believer is stronger than the action of the believer. The most important thing is to focus on that. So, so this person, this scholar says to this man, he says, uh, subhanAllah, when you get tired of righteousness, then, then, then think of good deeds. Think of good deeds. Think of good deeds. Because the one who's thinking about righteous deeds is getting the reward of the one who's doing them. And the reason is deeper for us. What we're realizing is my mind's always thinking. If I'm not putting it towards khair, it's pulling me towards shar. And that's the objective here. Allahu Akbar. Then he goes forward. He says, uh, the third thing you need to understand about the heart is that uh, it's difficult to cure. It's difficult to cure. And, um, and the reason why it's difficult to cure, He goes, the problem with your heart is you don't notice the changes that it's making because it's you. You ever look at a picture of you when you was like 20? And you're like, dang, yo. I was a handsome dude, yo. You know what I mean? Now you're 40, you're like, dang, what happened? Slowly. I didn't see the changes. The heart is the same way. Because it's your heart, you don't recognize the changes. And here's where I want to bring up a point. On this path, if you didn't listen to anything, listen to this. On this path of righteousness, the most critical thing you need is another friend for the sake of God. A friend for the sake of God. Everybody looking around, right? Who they got? Allahu <laughs> Akbar. Yo, a friend for the sake of God. And I'm not talking about someone who tells you what you need to hear. I'm going to keep it real with y'all. A, a few months ago, <laughs> I got good at this, right? A few months ago, I had a good friend talk to me about something. We're tight. Three days later, he calls me. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, Habib, I got to talk to you about something. Hey, what's up? Keep it real. Keep it high. I was like, yo, we're, we're, we're boys for the sake of Allah, right? He's like, that's it, man. If it's not Allah, I don't want to know you. <laughs> He's like, if it's not for the sake of Allah, what's the point? This is a wasted time. You, you have to be helping me become better for Allah, and I have to be helping you. So he's like, what's up? Mikael, tell me what's up. I'm like, yo, this action you're doing right here, it's not legit, yo. Oh, I was like, oh, I'm not saying haram. I'm saying not legit. And we talked and we talked and we talked. And he said, he's like, Wallahi, thank you for that, man. Thank you for that. What we need is not people that will tell us what we want to hear, but what we need to hear for the sake of God. People that will hit me up and be like, I ain't seen you at Fudger in a few days, yo. People that will hit you up and be like, why are you slacking? I want to share something with you. Because the Sahaba are our stars. We aspire to be like Umar, like Salman al-Farsi, like Abu Darda. But the Sahaba, listen to this beautiful story. When the Prophet ﷺ got to Medina, he created a brotherhood between the people who came from Mecca, Muhajirs, and the people who were already in Medina. So that they could have support spiritually, financially, every way possible. So two brothers that he put together were Salman al-Farsi and Abu Darda. Abu Darda 
and Selma and Farsi are totally different people. Abu Darda is a dude that don't care about dunya at all. He'll drive the most beat up whip, smallest house. He doesn't care, he's a zuhud. He's like, I'm not for this dunya. Selman Farsi, you know, mashallah. So listen to this, beautiful story in Sahih Bukhari. One day, Salman goes to visit Abu, Dar Abu Darda. But Abu, Dar Abu Darda is not home. Who's home? Ummi Darda, Abu Darda's wife. Now this incident was before hijab was revealed. So the, the, the interaction wasn't as restricted. So it was no big deal. He goes in the house and he sees her clothing is extremely tattered and messed up. And the narrators of the hadith are like, they like got to tell you that like this was before hijab that came down, right? So that's why he was just there. He goes uh, like, what's up, sister? Like, why are you like, what's wrong? Why are you working so hard and you don't have anything for yourself? She goes, <laughs> yo, brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny, she's funny, man. She goes, Akhuka Abu Darda, Laysa lahu hajatun fi dunya. She goes, your, bro, your boy, Abu Darda, he doesn't like the dunya. Like, he has no need for the dunya. So, this is how we are. Ya'ni, meaning, yeah, he fasts a lot, he would pray qiyam all these things. When, some, when, when Salman al Farsi heard this, wa ardahu, radiallahu an, hadha kalam, he realized he had to do something. He had to do something. So one day what happens is, Ja'a Abu Darda, Salman Farsi came back to the house to visit Abu Darda. He's like, hey, I want to spend the night with you. He's like, no problem. Come on over. So Abu Darda has some food made, and they're about to eat, and Abu Darda's not eating. Salman Farsi's like, why you ain't eating? He's like, I'm fasting. Salman Farsi goes, well, I ain't going to eat till you eat. Now, for them, this was like, Abe, somebody coming to my house and not going to eat my food? He goes, if you don't eat, I'm not going to eat. He's like, you going to make me break my fast, Habibi? My brother for the sake of Allah? He's like, yup. <laughs> so finally, he ate the food. Because he used to fast every day. He ate so that he wouldn't be ashamed of his guest. But he was fasting. They go to sleep. Abu Darda is sleeping next to Salman Farsi. A bit of time, uh, he, Abu Darda puts him to sleep, gets his stuff ready. You know how it is. Like, you got everything, you're good. He's like, I'm good. And Abu Darda got up to start to pray. He's like, what you doing? He's like, I'm about to pray Qiyam. He's like, no, you're not. You gotta go to sleep first. He's like, nah, I don't wanna sleep, I wanna pray. He's like, well, I ain't gonna sleep unless you sleep. <laughs> so again, Abu Darda is like, man, what am I gonna do? I'm trying to pray, Qiyam al-Layl. This brother's holding me back from righteousness, and this is what you gotta understand. Someone who loves you for the sake of Allah will slow you down so you last longer. Mm. That's the key. <laughs> yo, yo, tell me up, brother. That's my man. It's my hype, man. Y'all don't know. It's my hype man right there, yo. No, no, feel me, feel me on that. That's deep. Like, we think every righteous person is just going to tell me, do more, do more, do more, do more. The only one, hold up, right? The only one, <laughs> the only one that's going to keep you telling you to do more all the time is Shaitan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nah, for real, because shaitan wants you to stop. Shaitan wants you to slow down. I used to run with this dude back in the day. He'll slow you down sometimes. Like, yo, pace yourself. Slow down. I'll be like, all right, cool. I, no, I feel like I can run faster. He's like, nah, bro, we got like five miles left. <laughs> hold up. Hold it back. So, so a true friend will be like, yo, hold. So Abu Darda, he goes, nah, I ain't going to sleep. قَالَ لَهُ سَلْمَانَ نَمْ فَنَامَ قَلِيلًا he couldn't even sleep because he's so used to doing qiyam. He thought, 
Salman Farsi was sleeping, right? So he's like, let me get up and pray. Salman sat up, what you doing? <laughs> he's like, I'm about to pray. Nah, not yet. Go back to sleep. So he did it. He had to listen to him. It's his guest. Finally, it was a third of the night remaining, close to Fajr time. He leans over to Abu Dada. He's like, all right, now let's pray. They got up. They prayed Qiyam In the morning time, after Salatul Fajr, Abu Dada, Abu, uh, 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 Salman Farsi, he said these words to him because Abu Dada was really hot. He's like, you're my guest, but bro, you messed up my whole vibe. So uh, Salman says to him, listen to me. Inna li rabbika alayka haq. Your Lord has a right on you, no doubt. Wali nafsika alayka haq. Your body has a right on you. Wali ahlika alayka haq. Your wife has a right on you. And then he says, Fa'ti kulladhi haqqin haqqa. Religious is about giving every part its right. So then Abu Darda got upset. Whenever Sahaba had beef, like, we ain't going to argue. I'm just going to go to the Prophet and figure this out. <laughs> he went and he complained. Look, Salman did this to me last night. He told him the whole story. The Prophet وسلم, is listening and he says, Sadaqa Salman, Sadaqa Salman. The point I'm trying to make here is that your heart's illnesses are hard to notice because it's you and you need someone. That is why some people have a sheikh, sheikha, some people have friends. Abu, uh, 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 Imam Ghazali says, you need someone. Here's what you do. You have a sheikh, a teacher who's righteous, who you trust, who you could talk to. Or a therapist, right? I don't know, right? <laughs> you have a sheikh. Okay, he's like, but everyone don't have access to that. I don't know no sheikhs. I, no, no, I ain't doing that. Imam Ghazali goes, okay, next. Next, you have a friend. Next, you have a friend. And you say to this friend, yo, we are friends for the sake of Allah. That's it. Call me out, I'll call you out. With love, with everything, you know. And Imam Ghazali goes, say you don't have that. You remember? An enemy. He says, enemies may hate on you, but they speak facts too. Mikael don't ever come for Fajr. Mikael don't. Da, da, da. <laughs> haters are haters, but he said you could use them because they will speak truth, and you could see if that truth is in you and work to fix it. The last thing he said, now this is delicate. He says, look at the. Please take this in the context. He says, notice the faults that you see in others and assume it's in you too and work to remove it. Now, this is dangerous because some of us are like, oh, I got justification to be looking around. No, no, no. You're not supposed to be looking for other people's faults. But if you do see a fault, he says, the, def the default thing, assume that's in you too and work to remove that from you as well. He says, the next thing, we're going to uh, finish, finish this, inshallah, so we go for salah. He says, he says, the other thing you have to understand about the heart, why is the heart so, so, so dangerous, uh, so critical? He says, asra. The, the hardships that come to the heart, they come quick. And, and the heart fluctuates quick. You make a good intention, before you know it, if you don't stay on top of that intention, it can change. He says here, He's like, uh, a, a, a heart is changing more than, it's just a, a metaphor, than a, a boiling pot. Like the same way the pot is, the water's constantly moving, the heart is constantly moving. And he says a poem, مَا سُمَّ الْقَلْبِ إِلَّا مِنْ تَقَلُّبِهِ The reason it's called qalb is because it's always, always changing. So then what does he say? He says, listen, the heart, when it makes mistakes, 
it makes major mistakes. So we have to focus on fixing the heart, curing the heart. Now, before we go forward next week, he says, now you're, you're wondering, okay, cool. I agree with you. I got, فَإِنْقِيلَ This is how we're going to end today. He says, فَإِنْقِيلَ إِنَّ الْأَمْرَ هَذَا الْقَلْبَ لَمُهِمْ If someone says, yeah, you're right. I got to fix my heart. I got anger at people. I have jealousy. I'm not, I can't trust in God. I, I, I have je- all these things. You're right. I agree. He says, فَخْبِرْنَا عَنِ الْمَعَانِ أَلَّتِي تُصْلِي Tell us what are the exact things that we should be working on. And what are the harms, the, de- the detrimental things that we have to remove from our heart so that we can work to fix this? He says, listen, that's a long topic, but I'm going to narrow it down to you to four things. If you solve these in your heart, then everything else in your heart will be tight. How y'all feeling? We good, yo? Blessed? All right. Number one, al-amalu, hopes and expectations. The believer lives in the moment. The believer values the now. Shaitan promises you about what you're going to do five, ten, six, seven years from now. But Allah promises you this moment. He says the first way your heart will get messed up is something called tulul amal, far, far extended hopes and expectations. Now listen. This is a deep one. We're going to study this next week. But the idea I'm going to teach you about this is the Prophet ﷺ, he said, when you wake up in the morning, don't focus on nighttime. And when nighttime comes, don't focus on the morning. To me, what that tells us is we live in the moment. Don't put off calling your mom. Don't pull off fixing the relationship with your father. No, don't put things off. Live in this moment right now. Right now is what you have from Allah. So the first way the heart gets messed up is it has long, far expectations. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it stops you from doing the actions that could benefit your akhirah right now. Number two, al-isti'jal, being hasty, being hasty. I have to do this. I got to go here. I got to go there. Moving from one thing to the next thing. Be in the moment you're in. Value the moment you have. Number two, this is big, hasad, jealousy. When you question why Allah gave whoever he gave what he gave them, whether it be wealth, physical features, acceptance, it could be anything, a gig, jealousy. And last but not least, Arrogance. What does arrogance mean? It means looking down on others. These are not real human beings. These aren't real people. الحق, and not accepting truth. That's the definition of arrogance. So he says, what are we going to do? We're going to focus on these three things. And we're going to talk about how to fix and develop these qualities. He says, At the good qualities you need are number one. Shortening your hopes. What that means is, is it's not that we don't, we don't think about our future. No, that's not it. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, even if the trumpet of Qiyamah is blown. Yo, you know the hadith says that the, the, the angel will blow the horn and the Qiyamah will begin? The Prophet ﷺ said, if Qiyamah is beginning and you're planting a sapling, still plant the sapling. See, We don't know how much life God is going to give us, but the moment we're in now, we work towards it. We work towards it. So the first thing he says is limiting your expectations. Number two, being deliberate, thinking about things before you do them. Wishing good for other people. Someone is blessed with a good job, good family, good this, and you go, alhamdulillah. All praise to the one who blessed you and could bless me the same way. And humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. He goes, these are the three, the four things you need. They're the foundations of rectifying your heart. 
These are the things your whole heart will circle around. So focus, do everything you can to protect yourself from these things. Focus on the moment you have right now. Be deliberate in your actions. Wish good for everyone, the believers, and be humble with the believers. He goes, with this you'll be successful, but now we need to go into each one of these and next week, we'll start to go through each one of these things that will uh, destroy your heart. These four things, Imam Ghazali doesn't just drop it, say, yo, fix this. He gives you the antidote. He gives you the cure. He teaches you how to actually uproot those things. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us people in our gatherings, in our circles, in our networks that will be friends for the sake of God. Amen. May Allah give us people around us who will tell us with compassion and gentleness, the things that we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us hearts that see the truth as truth and see the falsehood as falsehood. May Allah give us strong hearts that in the time of fitna are able to call out oppression of oppressors. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters in Philistine. May Allah open the eyes of our leaders. May Allah open the hearts and the eyes of the people of the world to see haq as haq and oppression as oppression. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us and give us this courage to lift our voice however we can for the people of Philistine. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us hearts that when we see wrong, that is wrong in the sight of God, we reject it. May Allah give us hearts that reject what is wrong and hearts that accept what is good and what is righteousness. May Allah alleviate the suffering of our brothers and sisters. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, to accept all of those who have passed away as shuhada. Ya Allah, we ask you to give them the rank of martyrs, Ya Arhamur Rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you to give them the rank of martyrs, Ya Arhamur Rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us the ability to rectify our actions and strive in your path in whatever way possible. Ya Arhamur Rahimin. Subhana Rabbika, Rabbil Izzati, Amma Yasifun, Wa Salamun, Al Mursaleen, Walhamdulillahi, Rabbil Alameen. Jazakumullahu Khairah.